Welcome to Australian Hiker. We're your hosts, Tim and Jill Savage. This is episode 62 of the Australian Hiker podcast, and this week's episode is titled Personal Safety on the Trail. Now, for a lot of hikers, when they first start out, there's so much to consider and so much to worry about. Getting lost, snakes is a big one, uh, will you be warm enough, and can you walk the distance that you're, you're intending to do? Uh, and while these things are, um, are considered necessary to ensure a safe and enjoyable hike, um, to an extent, they're relatively easy to manage with a bit of practice and a bit of development of on-trail skills. Now, a few weeks ago, we received a question, which was a two-part question of a different kind. Uh, and this is a question that I commonly get asked or hear hikers talking about, and this relates to personal safety when hiking. Um, so as I said, this was a two-part question, and we're going to go through and look at is personal safety really an issue on the trail uh, and what can we do to ensure that we are being safe when we're out hiking. We hope you enjoy. Now, as I said, this question was a two-part question and the first question related to vehicle safety uh, and the concern that was raised was, um, is it okay to leave your car in the middle of a remote area and come back and not have to worry about it being vandalised? Now, I must admit that vehicle safety is a concern for me, um, but it may surprise you to know that I worry more about parking closer to civilization rather than when I'm parking in the, in the middle of nowhere. So in a nutshell, criminals are generally lazy, uh, <laughs> and while they usually target vehicles in poorly lit remote, uh, remote areas uh, in city areas, they'll not usually drive 40, 50, 100 kilometers out of town just on the off chance that they might find an unattended car in the middle of nowhere. Uh, there are much easier targets in suburban streets. So from a hiking perspective or a camping perspective, if I am clamping close to a city area um, and, uh, and I know I've got a mobile phone signal, I'll usually have someone drop me off. Um, and then when I get back to the trailhead, I'll give them a call or get close to a trailhead. I'll give them a call just to let the motor come and pick me up. If you're going to leave a vehicle in an unattended area, consider the following. Uh, if you have a choice of vehicles, pick the more basic vehicle. So as an example, parking a Ferrari in the middle of nowhere uh, probably is an, is, an, is an invite for someone to come and take the car away. Um, but again, just a, a basic, ordinary sort of vehicle um, that, that doesn't say there's lots of expensive stuff inside this Steal car. me. Steal me, yeah. <laughs> It's fun. <laughs> Um, ensure the vehicle is locked and the windows are properly closed. And as I said, sometimes all you're going to really going to do is keep away the honest thieves. People who really want to vandalise and destroy your car or steal it will do it. But for a lot of people, it's, it's, it's more an opportunity. The, the doors are open or the windows are open and they'll have a look through. Remove any excess items out of the car, uh, particularly if they're valuable. So these are things such as phones, wallets, cameras and sunglasses. And I must admit, I, uh, I tend to always carry my wallet. I'll never leave it sitting in the car. 
Um, and yeah, and this is for a couple of reasons, I suppose, is sometimes you might be passing through an area where you can stop for a coffee if you are not that remote. Or you know, it's also you've got your ID and um, maybe a Medicare card or, or, or your health insurance card in there as well. Um, also, don't leave your keys in the car. Again, particularly if they're visible, it's a bit more of an invitation. Uh, and I'll give you an example with this that uh, a number of years ago, I was down uh, on coastal New South Wales. I had a, um, a, a, a teenager in the car with me. Um, and we were going out for the day and leaving the car unattended. And he proceeded to put his wallet on the dashboard of the car. Uh, and when I said, oh, look, can you, can you put that away? His, his comment was, oh, that's okay. There's nothing in there. And my response was, well, the person that's going to break the window of my car to get your wallet doesn't know that at this point. So you know, don't encourage people by leaving things lying around that, that look like they might be valuable. If possible, park away from access roads. And I'll give you an example of a hike we've done just recently, the uh, Kangaroo Island Wilderness Trail. When you park at the Visitor Information Centre, you're not actually parking in the main car park. You're parking a, in a, a car parking area that's behind the Visitor Centre. So if someone wants to come and look for your car, they've really got to go looking. It's not going to be really obvious. The difficulty about that is that you've got a little sticker on your windscreen that also tells um, the person who's looking at your car how long you're going to be away for the car from the car. So you know, on the one hand, it's probably in a better area than the standard car park, but on the other hand, there are some indicators there that you won't be back for a few days. So, uh, you know, it 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 is a little bit of a balancing act, act I think. Now, the other aspect to this question that we had was uh, relating to personal safety. Now, I'm going to broaden the question here, and I'm, when I'm going to discuss animals, I'm going to talk about the four-legged type as opposed to the two-legged type. Um, but firstly, why do we actually feel unsafe when we're on hiking, particularly on overnight trips? And if you can think back to when you first started hiking, you're probably a bit apprehensive, a bit worried. Um, and I must, I must admit, for me, my first overnight hike by myself wasn't really that long ago. It's only been a matter of years. Typically, when I've gone hiking or overnight camping in the past, it's either been with family groups or friends or with Jill. Um, going camping by myself in the middle of nowhere is, is a rarity. Um, and certainly when you do go out on the trail, and you're, particularly when you are by yourself, the noises tend to be amplified. So they're, they're different noises. Um, sometimes when you're, you're in your tent at night time and you can hear animals scratching around, your imagination tends to run wild. There is a thing which we've talked about in previous articles called first night syndrome. And this is a bit of a throwback from caveman days when uh, you're in a new environment uh, your brain's not quite convinced that you're safe, so it's actually keeping a, a, an eye on what's going on to make sure that there's nothing coming going to come and eat you or attack you. So if you typically don't tend to sleep well, particularly on the first night, um, this is the reason why. Um, and for some people, you know, that applies to hotels as well. I was just going to say, uh, you know, any time I'm away from for work and I'm in a hotel... Um, I can almost guarantee I won't sleep well, um, definitely on the first night, sometimes longer than that. 
And I think that's the thing. If you're only doing a single overnight sort of hike, you tend to resign yourself that you may not get the best sleep in the world. Uh, but we certainly find that once you start doing longer trips, um, second and third nights, you start getting fairly tired and you get into a routine and it's not so bad. I remember we were um, in one of the camping stores and bumped into one of our close friends who um, is an army officer and um, uh, we were looking at sleeping mats and I said to him, oh, you know, give us a hand because, you know, we, we're trying to decide on which sleeping mat um, we should buy. <laughs> and he said, Jill... After three nights of not sleeping, you'll sleep anywhere. <laughs> okay, so you know there are are reasons why you know you're in a new environment, you're hearing all these things, your your mind sort of being overactive, so you do tend to be a bit worried. But certainly, as you gain in more experience and more confidence, this becomes less of an issue. Now, in relation to animals, and as I said, we'll talk about the four-legged type ones to start with. In Australia, really, we don't have to worry about things like bears like the Americans do. Uh, but you know, the worst thing we typically have to worry about is wild dogs. Now, I do a lot of camping and hiking in Namagee National Park, which is uh, uh, on the, uh, the western border of Canberra and, and forms quite a large part of the, the, the territory. Uh, and there are a pack of wild dogs present in this park. Now, the reason I mentioned that, the Australian Alps Walking Track, which is one of Australia's long trails, um, also finishes in the same park. Now, typically, the, the pack of dogs, I've come across them a couple of times. They tend to be further away than the trailhead. But about nine years ago, I was out there by myself. It was pitch black. Uh, there was the pack of dogs that were fairly close by, making a lot of noise, and I was by myself. And it's like, uh, I'm not really feeling really comfortable. Uh, as far as I'm aware, they've never caused or never injured or attacked anybody. But again, just knowing that they're there and they're fairly close by, this tends to make you feel a bit un uncomfortable and a bit unnerving. So what did you do? Um, I basically was staying there wide awake until the, until the sun came up and again they moved off. So, so you hid in your tent, Tim. <laughs> basically, yeah. Not, not realising they could sh shred your tent in a second. <laughs> um, okay, so our local government recommends the following advice if you do feel threatened by wild dogs. Stand up to your full height. Face the dog or dogs. Fold your arms and keep eye contact and slowly back away. So to minimise issues uh, with dogs, keep your food waste contained, and that's for all animals for that matter. Keep an eye on small children and walk in groups, where area, uh, groups in areas where dogs are possible issues. So there goes the solo hiking that I tend to do a lot <laughs> in that area. Now we'll talk about the two-legged type of animals, so people. For most people, one of the biggest concerns is coming across other hikers or other people on the trail. Um, and particularly when you're traveling by yourself. When you're in a group, it's not so much of an issue. You're with friends, you're with people you know, and you just tend to have that feeling of safety. But as a, a single hiker, it's a bit different. From what we've seen on our multi-day hikes over the past few years, the vast majority of solo hikers are male, um, and they do outnumber the females, but this is changing. We are progressively seeing more and more single or solo hikers on the trail. Now, this is not to say that hiking for females is not safe, but from a societal perspective, 
Females tend to be more aware of their surroundings than males, uh, and they're less likely to put themselves in what they consider to be a an unsafe situation. Um, and more specifically, they're situationally aware, which I'll explain in a moment. Yeah, I, I think um, Tim and I had lots of conversations when we were um, planning the Lara Pinter Trail and, you know, 14 or 15 days on the trail, even though we were together, I did start to wonder about safety, did start to wonder about um, other people who were going to be on the trail. And, um, you know, it was funny uh, because I think I expected it to be uh, fewer people and more isolation. That was probably a um, an interesting thing that didn't turn out to be so true. Um, but as I look back and think about um, how I felt at the beginning and then how I felt increasingly over the trip, it was actually quite different. And, um, you know, there, there were small groups and individuals and, um, you, you know, as the, the walk progressed, I did feel much safer. And uh, it's interesting, e- even in those places where it was very crowded and there were um, a couple of the campsites uh, next to places where there are lots of motorhomes and lots of caravans and those sorts of motorised um, camping arrangements. Even then I felt quite quite safe, which was not at all what I expected. So a minute or so ago we mentioned situational awareness, and this is a strange term I know to relate to hiking, but it concerns being aware of what is happening around you in terms of where you are, where you're supposed to be, and whether anyone or anything around you is a threat to your safety or health. Now, our knowledge, experience, and our skills enable us to understand what is going on around us and help determine if this is safe. So what it essentially comes down to is if you don't feel safe, uh, for whatever reason, um, you've got a number of choices. The first one is to remove yourself from that situation. So it might be, "Mm, I'm not going to camp here. I'll just keep on moving on. If you're carrying a personal locator beacon and you're feeling like you're under threat, uh, there is nothing wrong with setting off the beacon. But again, not for the, just for the sake of it. But if you're generally feeling, feeling threatened, uh, I think that's a more than a valid reason for setting off a beacon if it really comes down to it. So um, recently when we were doing the uh, Kangaroo Island Wilderness Trail, there was a, a hiker that was doing the same route um, uh, around the, the, the same time that we were doing and um, uh, we'd met up with them at a particular point and we'd continued on and uh, they were hiking solo and um, uh, we had expected them to be at the campsite at a particular time, even, you know, given with an extra bit of time, uh, looking around and so on. And, um, it, it, it took a while and, uh, they still weren't there. And we were starting to think about whether or not we should go and look for them. And, um, then they appeared at the campsite and it turned out that, um, hiking solo, uh, they were within their own thought process and they'd actually missed the turn, which, Probably was a little bit difficult to see the, the turn into the campsite, and they'd continued on and realised that they were um, almost, you know, well and truly at the next trailhead, and they had to turn around and, and come back. 
um, to the camp that they were supposed to be at. That's one of the things that can happen that really impacts your situational awareness is that you get lost in your own thoughts and uh, then you don't realise where you are, who's around you um, and what part of the trail that you're on. Now, from our own experiences, you'll come across all sorts of people on the trail, and, and hikers really are representative of the broader community. Now, this is a generalisation, but the people we meet on the trail are generally pretty uh, a pretty nice bunch. I, In the last three years, I can't think of anybody that I've met where I've really thought, oh, this person's ruining it for me. They're creepy. Uh, they're creepy. <laughs> uh, um, uh, yeah, they've all been really nice people. They, uh, they've, they've, been, they've tried to be helpful. And as Jill said, yeah, we were, we were thinking about this other person who wasn't part of our group and whether we should go look for them. And it's just the sort of people that hikers tend to be. So as I said, it's a generalisation, but generally the people you meet that are wandering in the middle of nowhere tend to be nice people who aren't going to be a threat as a general as a general rule. Um, having said that, though, uh, and don't get me wrong on this, there are some real nuts on the trail, um, <laughs> uh, and and I say this in the nicest possible way. They are into what they are doing and will happily talk your ear off, as I'm sure you will theirs about mutual experiences on the trail, uh, other walks they've done, and most importantly, gear. Um, so again, this may well describe you as well as the person you're about to talk to. Now, we find that other hikers, as I said, are usually willing to help out with any issues. Uh, as I said, it takes a certain type of person to wander off in the middle of nowhere. Now, the thing to remember here is the person that you come across and that you may be worried about is also probably worried about you and is thinking, what sort of person are you? Now, if you're listening to this podcast, um, you're probably aware that Jill and I do uh, blogging uh, and also we're doing this podcast as well. And we do try and interview people when we're actually doing the longer trails. Uh, and I typically find that it's easier for me to interview people, particularly females, when Jill is around. I make him look safe. <laughs> Otherwise, he just looks like this weirdo. <laughs> um, so when I'm travelling alone, uh, I present be, uh, quite differently. I'm a fairly large, muscular male. Uh, so I tend to be conscious of how I approach people, in particular single females, um, so as to not come across as a threat as best as I can. I'm also conscious of not badgering people who are out to enjoy themselves. But if you ever do come across us on the trail, uh, more than likely I'll, uh, if you see me recording things, um, come over and have a chat because I'll typically be quite happy to interview you about how your hike's going. So here we are in the in the middle of the bush wanting the peace and solitude and one of us is an introvert and the other one is an extrovert and as soon as we hit camp and we see people, um, I'm, I'm putting the tent up and, and hiding in the tent for a moment and Tim's off rounding up people and trying to have a chat. <laughs> Trust me, this is how it works. <laughs> It, it, it is an art. It's taken me a while to go through and develop. Uh, but as I said, I what? am. <laughs> Be, being an annoying extrovert. <laughs> yeah, it, 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 it takes skill. <laughs> okay, so what it comes down to is that look, there really are no guarantees. You will come across the odd uh, nasty person, for want of a better term. Uh, but as I said, we, we haven't had a negative experience uh, while we've been out hiking. So it's more than likely that everybody else is going to go through and have the same, uh, same experience. Um, 
as I said, with vehicles, um, vehicle safety or vehicle damage tends to occur when you're close to civilization as opposed to remote areas. Uh, and, and as we mentioned, regardless of whether you're male or a female, if you don't feel comfortable in the situation, do what you can to remove yourself from it. Now, as part of our regular news segment, um, we thought we'd go through and, and relate the news to the topic of the day. Um, and this is a, a bit of a negative sort of story, but it's something that's worthwhile mentioning. Uh, earlier in April, so really that's only a week or so ago, there was an assault on a camper uh, by a couple, um, and they used to shovel to assault this person. Um and this was in uh, the Great Ocean Road in Victoria. Um, now, this was a, uh, it appears to be a fairly public sort of campground. Um, so when we talk about campground, we're talking about camping as opposed to hiking into the middle of nowhere. A similar situation occurred up in Queensland in 2016, uh, where a, 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 a probably a drug craze by the sound of it because they actually threatened uh, a couple of hikers with a syringe and held them hostage for two hours. Um, oh, God. But again, this is in a camping ground situation. So these are the sort of people, as I said, that don't typically wander out in the middle of nowhere. Uh, in the case of the most recent one, they had a vehicle um, and they drove off uh, and left their all their camping gear there and hadn't been located um, when the when the police were called. So it is an unfortunate sort of incident. And I was I was actually thinking as I was preparing for this article. Oh, look, there's been nothing in the news for the last last year or so. So there's uh, nothing to really report. And then this incident occurred less than a couple of weeks ago. So it's as I said, it's it's the sort of thing that. It's extremely unlikely that you'll have a problem when you hike. Um, as I said, the closer you are to civilization, this is where the issue tends to be. Yeah, it's probably a little bit of a sad statement about a lot of things, I, I think. But um, I, I pretty much agree with that, that, y you know, you've, you've got to be really keen um, to walk for a few days just to find a random hiker to be able to rob them or to, you know, do, do something random to them as opposed to drive up and, um, uh, you know, um, uh, be able to impact a captive audience. Um, so, look, I, you know, I don't know. I, these are all the things that went through my mind as we started to get into um, more serious and more isolated Hiking, I have to say now, uh, the closer I am to civilization, the less, um, comfortable I feel, the further away uh, from civil civilization, the more comfortable I feel. So that's probably a, a little bit of statement of the reality of some of this, but you know, anything can happen. So you do have to be aware and you have to be able to, um, call for help when you need help. Um, through various forms if you don't have a, a mobile phone or a signal that's working. So, you know, the only thing you can do is uh, be prepared um, and, you know, uh, hopefully um, you'll be as safe as we have been um, in all the time that we've been hiking.
Okay, that's all for this week's episode. A bit of a never get a topic, I know, but uh, um, it's as I said, it's it's something that most new hikers it tends to cross their mind when they're first, particularly starting their first overnight camp. Uh, all the strange noises, as I said, um, and the more you do of it, the more comfortable and the more confident you become. Yeah. So hopefully we haven't um, turned you off. You just. Be a little bit aware. Um, your own experiences will guide and coach you and um, make you um, comfortable um, in what you're doing. So a little bit of experience goes a long way in this context. And um, I, I think it's probably not a bad thing to be uh, apprehensive uh, because it does keep you alert and it does keep you aware of your surroundings. And the, and the country needs more alerts. <laughs> I couldn't let that one go past. And next week's bonus episode is um, our bonus for April 2018. And uh, we'll be talking to Jackie from Canberra Fitness Centre. And uh, she'll be telling us all about uh, the benefits of warming up and warming down after an endurance activity. And we have to remember that hiking is an endurance activity. We spend a lot of time on, on the go. Um, and so it's important to keep our muscles um, uh, stretched and comfortable and uh, operational. As always, this episode is available to listen through our website, through SoundCloud, through iTunes and Stitcher Radio. And if you have the time, please go through and give us a five-star rating on iTunes to help get the message out there. That's all from me. Bye for now. And bye from me. Uh, and to minimise any issues with wild dogs, keep your food waste contained, keep an eye on small children. Uh, and I think for most Australians, we still have the picture in our mind of uh, a dingo's got my baby. <laughs> no? <laughs> no, it's okay. All right. Um, too soon. Too soon. <laughs> <laughs> Now, next week is our bonus episode for July 2018. It's April. <laughs> now, next week...